Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, so here we are finally at the uh, end of this series. Um, and I, I hope you've found it useful or supportive for your practice and see that um, these different factors aren't theoretical. They're not simply concepts that you know, one should keep in mind they are practicable and they are available and we can consciously cultivate them as well as have a kind of faith that the practice develops them um, as well. So they're natural unfolding of our meditation practice and as well, we can see what we are in need of to support our practice at any time and kind of tune into on a dial, like your, your heart dial or your mind dial, and just say, oh, I think I could use some more interest, more investigation. Oh, I think I need some calm. And simply incline the mind that way. That's the 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 term that is used with all of these, inclining the mind. And again, want to underscore that this is different than forcing and making it happen or hoping it's going to happen. You know, God, I need some calm. Come on, where's the calm? Bring it on, I'm ready. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And it just works against you that the more you want it and are feeling feeling um, a lack and feeling a, a, a kind of um, contracted grasping, the more elusive it is. That just tightens the mind and is the antithesis of any wholesome state. But instead, we can incline the mind, that is, just even reflecting on what calm is like, remembering what calm is like, or what being interested is like. And we kind of point in that direction, invite, and then allow for whatever is here to be here. And when it's here, to not only recognize it, but... Um, delight in it and tune into it with, uh, with an openness, with an interest, with a, um, a complete allowing and connection with it. And that in itself is a kind of, um, it's an, an invitation that can easily um, be done and also 
seems to help in working with um, calling on these states. So we've gone through six of them. want to give a little recap. Mindfulness, which is the, the central factor, the factor that balances the three energizing and the three stilling factors, and also starts the development of each of these. Remember we said we can, there's a kind of, it can be seen as a linear development as well. Mindfulness leading to interest or investigation, that when you're present, things are more interesting for you and you want to pay attention. That interest leads to a kind of um, wholehearted effort which begets energy in our meditation practice. In our practice and also all of these can be um, developed in our daily life too. Interest and energy lead to a kind of keen interest which is really the essence of joy, of rapture, where you're really absorbed in your experience, whether it's one particular object like the breath or some kind of focus that leads to deep concentration or interest in just the unfolding of things and how one thing is leading to another and there's rapture and, um, and joy that result. Those are the energizing factors. They also can naturally lead to the three stilling factors. When there's this sense of well-being from joy, from an energized interest that is joyful, there can be a real sense of ease and serenity that results. Calm can then lead to, and it's not so neat and linear, but this is a, a natural development Calm, a focused, mindful, interested calm deepens the concentration and the mind gets quite connected and still. And out of that energized, mindful, calm, focused concentration, we then can arrive at this last factor of equanimity. And when equanimity is ripened and mature, it is the, the precursor to the liberated mind. I, we've talked about equanimity before. It's, it's the last in many of the lists. It's the last of the um, ten paramitas, the ten perfections. There's equanimity after all the other nine. It's the last of the four Brahma-viharas, divine abodes. It is in the stages of the progress of insight through 12 different stages, equanimity is the last stage. Out of that balance of mind, there is liberation that comes. So, in the same with this list of awakening factors, they're all ripening and maturing, and when there is a perfect equipoise, balance, the mind can become free.
both in our meditation practice and in our life, daily life, equanimity is really important. Because life is continually changing, isn't it? And in a world of change, if we are swept up by all of the changes, we get tossed back and forth, and it can get very exhausting. There's the, the uh, one other um, list of all the changes. There's uh, a, a, a list, I think, that everybody could relate to called the Eight Worldly Conditions. There's praise and blame. There's fame and shame. There's pleasure and pain. And there's loss and gain. That pretty much sums up the territory, doesn't it? And we often seem to be bouncing back and forth between those, wanting to avoid one and wanting to maximize the other. And we get bounced around in the process. Equanimity is finding a balance and a a centeredness in the midst of all those vicissitudes of life. This is, of course, easier said than done, isn't it? But it's possible. And I think everybody here has had a taste sometime in their life of the difference between being completely freaked out and lost and finding some place when things are really hard that you can just hold on to. Maybe you're holding on to for dear life, but you're holding on and seeing, wait, there's another way than completely losing it. And the more you are familiar with the place of centeredness that can hold on and realize it's all going to change anyway, the more you can trust in the, the good news about change. That no matter how awful things are, it's going to change. You'll smile again. You'll probably laugh again. You'll love again. What seemed so desperately important will change and not have the same pull or charge as your life goes on. The converse of that, no matter how good it gets, it's going to change. And when you say, if I only had that, everything would be so solved. I wouldn't need anything else. Don't get trapped in that. That's not to say we can't have our deep ambitions and our beautiful, inspiring goals and having a sense that there are things that will really lead to true fulfillment, but not to think that that's 
the end of desire, getting that next one. And equanimity realizes while things are here and they're beautiful, enjoy them. They will change. And while things are challenging and difficult, open up to it. It will change rather than running out of terror because it's going to follow you wherever you go when your heart is filled with fear and aversion. And that's the amazing Aikido move of the mind. Instead of running away or desperately trying to avoid or, or, you know, pretend it's not there or somehow bargain with life, the more you run, the more you're hooked by your fear. The more you're able to be right here, right in the midst of the fear or the pain or whatever the challenge is, you find that there's a center that can actually open up to it. And without adding on that fear or that aversion, this is where balance is to be found. And this just takes practice. It doesn't mean that when you're in the middle of the tough times that equanimity looks like yeah, you're a Buddha going through it all, sailing on a, you know, or on a surfboard, you know, just, okay, it's all cool. Oh, there's, a, there's a great, it was a great uh, uh, poster from this, uh, this yogi, uh, great yoga teacher, Swami Satchidananda. And he's, he's, on, he's riding a surfboard. I don't know if it was, if it was, touched up or whatever, but uh, I think so. Because he's on this, he's a bearded, regal, you know, uh, guru. And there's this big wave kind of, that he's in the curl of. And it says, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Meditate with Swami Satchitananda, like that, right? And this is really about learning to surf but not to have the ideal or idealistic notion that true equanimity means you don't get ruffled by things. I mean, that the deep equanimity is actually, that is possible. But the beautiful thing about equanimity is that even when you get lost and confused and you seem like you're, you're going down, you're drowning, there still can be a moment of equanimity that you can bring to that whole confusing, messy situation. Do you ever have that experience where you're just kind of really going through a hell realm and you just kind of watch yourself for a moment? You kind of perch yourself up on the ceiling watching yourself going through a hell realm. Do you know what I'm talking about? That, that, that movement, that meta movement, and by meta, that's one T meta, uh, not the two T's of loving kindness, but that, 
meta vantage point where you see, oh, freaking out, that's what's going on. That's a moment where a, a further equanimity where you're not completely swept away by it, but there's an awareness that can see it. As, as often we say in retreats, awareness doesn't care. That awareness can hold it all. So it's really moving into that space of awareness that the dance of fear or the dance of attachment or the dance of anger is just doing its thing in this much greater space. This is the essence of equanimity, spaciousness. I talked about the the three stilling factors a couple of weeks ago of calm, concentration, and equanimity. And they're, they're different flavors of stillness. This is how I see it, that calm is a kind of settled stillness. Concentration is a kind of focused stillness. And equanimity is a spacious stillness. More and more, all the space in the world where the waves can come and go and there's room for it all. Understanding impermanence is very much the pointer to having that, still, that spaciousness, as I said a moment ago. And another aspect of understanding that invites equanimity is having a, a sense of the lawful unfolding of karma. Now this is a tricky one because karma can sometimes be used unskillfully to blame ourselves looking back. Oh, well, I must have been really rotten for this thing to happen to me. You, know? you don't go there. The Buddha, when he was enlightened, under the Bodhi tree, he saw his previous 100,000 or more incarnations. And he saw that many times he did unskillful things. The one, the one common thread through all those lifetimes, the one skillful quality that he maintained was honesty. That took him all the way through his commitment to truth. But besides that, there were times that there were unskillful acts. We're human. But rather than looking back and seeing, oh, I must have been really uh, you know, a rotten SOB to have this happen, you can see that everything in your life and over lifetimes has brought you to this moment which miraculously you've been given enough good circumstances to even be interested in the Dharma, let alone be able to practice it, where you have some tools and some like-minded friendship and um, some understandings that point you in the right direction. So don't get caught in how rotten you were. Be amazed at the good karma you have that has brought you to this moment. And then in that lawful unfolding, realize that you have 
some input into how your life is going to continue to unfold. But you are not writing the script. You have input, but there is the unfolding of past karma. You know, the Buddha in his lifetime, his cousin tried to do him in, lots of people tried to tried to uh, disgrace him. Uh, he was, you know, somebody threw a boulder over trying to kill him and he, he had a really bad foot for quite a while. He had a bad back, you know, he died of you know, dysentery, you know. He, he, he had to be here for the whole show. It wasn't like, oh, now I'm a Buddha and nothing bad will ever happen to me. But the equanimity that he developed allowed him to go through those vicissitudes and find an okayness right in the middle of it. So it's not that everything is going to be so wonderful from here on in, in your external life. It's not about what's happening out there. That's just unfolding of karma. But what is happening in here can either be greater suffering or greater happiness or peace. So it's not about what's out there, it's about our relationship to what's happening out there. And this is where equanimity can be developed. In our practice, equanimity is not a passive quality. Equanimity takes courage. It takes courage to hang in there with everything and say, okay, I can be here for this too. There is a spaciousness around this too. Equanimity takes courage to let go of the control that you never had in the first place. Oh, okay. Because really, equanimity is letting go of the beauty, being here, I think, fully for it while it's here, and a courage to open up to the hard stuff too. There's a, a story that maybe some of you are, are familiar with that uh, we used to tell on retreats a lot about this, uh, um, this guy who was uh, this fearful, um, awesome uh, samurai who went, who was the scourge of the, of the area. This was in, uh, in Korea. I think it, the story originated. And I don't know if they have samurais in Korea, but a very heavy dude okay, who, um, who terrorized the countryside. And everybody, when they found out that he was coming with his army, uh, fleed and, you know, or else joined joined his band. And he goes to this town and uh, his scouts uh, tell him, they come back and, they, and he says, oh, what's here in this village? And he's told, everybody has fled the village except for one man. Who's that? He's the abbot in the monastery. The guy goes to the monastery, goes marching to the monastery and he says, he sees the, 
the, the abbot sitting there in meditation. And he says, Do you know who I am? The Zen master looks up. The, the warrior says, I am somebody who can take this sword and run you through without batting an eye. And the Zen master looks at him and he says, And I, sir, am someone who can be run through without batting an eye. And with that, the warrior puts down his sword, bows, and leaves. To have equanimity really takes courage that you can be here for it all. You don't have to do it all at once. You just do it in little doses. Can I be here for this, for this moment, and now this moment, and now this moment? And we can do this in our practice, too. Like to just uh, have us play around a little bit with it in our practice. Uh, Close your eyes for a few moments. So the equanimity is remembering that everything changes and that there is, an, uh, there is a lawful unfolding of karma. And no matter how much you are drawn to or pushing away, there is a lawful unfolding and you will survive as things change. So, just want you to reflect for a moment. Is there anything in your life right now that there's a strong attachment or a strong aversion to? It's fine if there is. This is just part of being human. Something that you have a strong investment in or a strong reaction to. Maybe when you think about it, it stirs up some feelings. As you're getting in touch with this, just for a moment, reflect on impermanence and on the fact how many strong attachments you've had before that you didn't think you could live through, or strong aversions or reactions that seem to be the end of the line that you've gone through, that have helped shape your character and given you lessons that you've needed And as you reflect on that, you might, in tuning into impermanence, reflect on whatever it is that's so gripping you now or touching those feelings. What will that issue be like, say, in five years or ten years? Will you live through this one?
just reflecting on impermanence and on how however deeply things might be affecting you, you'll find a relationship that's that will open to a resolution at some point. And if you can imagine that, just imagine not only surviving, but letting go and seeing, oh, it's come and it's gone and I'm still here. And get a sense of what it would be like to not be in the grip of this strong investment or reaction. So as you're feeling that, what would you need to remember to let go of the pain of the attachment and to develop equanimity in your, not only in your meditation, in your life, but in your life as well. See if you can go to that meta level where it's just awareness holding it all. What did you notice? Any, any comments? Just take a few moments. Deep calm. Deep calm. Yeah. Oh, a much more skillful approach. Mm-hmm. Body's relaxed, yeah. See, all it is is just kind of opening to another perspective. Equanimity is about getting a bigger perspective. And it's not like you are... We can sometimes get really attached to our dramas. You know, oh, this is so intense. Oh, this is so intense. You know, this is... Yeah, you know, ooh, it, it's a bitch, but boy, it's intense, you know. And we can get hooked on that intensity because it's not boring anyway, right? Heaven forbid if it's boring. But there's a price to pay for that aliveness that we, as we squeeze more out of it and forget that what we really want is peace in our hearts and peace in our minds. Ah, maybe it's not as intense, but it sure feels good to have some peace. Just a little, a slight shift of reality, and there you are. You're, it's available to you. Here's another aspect of equanimity. 
Open your, uh, again, close your eyes. See, every moment of mindfulness is a moment that you're developing equanimity because it's a moment where you're not grasping after the pleasant or pushing away the unpleasant. You're simply allowing things to be how they are. And as you're here, see if you can just for a few moments let things be exactly how they are, complete okayness with this moment. Just try it on for size. This moment is complete just as it is, where nothing needs to be added or taken away. And now, for a few moments, this is a, sometimes something I do in my own practice, see if you can notice any movement of mind towards or away from experience. If it's a pleasant moment, see if you can notice the mind moving towards it. Oh, yeah, I like that. If it's an unpleasant moment, oh, I don't like that. Or if it's boring, oh, it starts to get unpleasant. Just notice with interest any movement of mind towards or away from. And just be interested in the show. Once again, this is bringing equanimity to the unfolding of things just as they are. You don't have to change the movement, just in the noticing of it, you become the awareness. It can be very interesting just to notice. Oh, look at the mind go towards or away from. How interesting. And see if you can find a place of ease and spaciousness right in the middle of it. That's just aware. Awareness doesn't care. even when it sees the movements of mind. It's just interesting. It's just life. So now, just one more little exercise, little reflection. Once again, go inside 
And notice, when do you tend to get thrown off balance in your life? It might be different from that particular issue, just things that happen, maybe when you get a bit stressed, maybe when you get a little overwhelmed or whatever, or you're home late at night and like it to be different or whatever. When do you tend to get off, thrown off balance? And in your wisest moments, how do you come back to balance? What helps you remember to keep things in a healthy perspective? How do you access that balance? That's the heart of equanimity. You have this capacity. Just tune into it. In your wisest moments, how do you come back to balance? I'm curious, let's hear some of the the wisdom here. What helps you come back? Not just giving the right answer, but in a real in a realistic way. Yeah. That, what was the last one? Okay, so she she remembers that she's handling things in a different way than she used to, and that it can give a little bit of confidence that she's grown and 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 you have greater capacity. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Anything else? We can use the the mic because it's being taped. Anyone? The things that came to me when I thought, how do I get back into balance when I'm when I go off of balance? And the most immediate things were um, really getting into my body, stretching, exercising, um, meditating, but even more so getting in my body and moving it, getting enough sleep, going to bed <laughs> at on time mm-hmm. uh, without trying to hide from it, but just letting myself deeply rest. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I thought of just being in like-minded company of people who are also seeking truth is a big one. Being around teachers, and just getting a small dose of it even can just change everything. Subtly. Excellent. Yeah. So being in, in your body, resting, because when you're when you're resting, you have more space than that carries over to the spacious perspective as well being around like-minded friends and teachers. Great. Anything else? 
Here, over here, Alexa. Uh, what came to me first, the thing that seems to throw me off balance the most is fear of a certain thing happening or not happening. And I think I was looking for some big answer, and then it was like, what do I really do? I just come back to the present. Like, what can I do about this right now? Uh, nothing. Okay, all right, let's move on until there's something I can do about it. You know, just coming into right now seems to bring it all back to like, okay. Coming back to the present. This is where there's refuge, particularly when there's fear involved, because fear is always about the future. And when you come back here, oh, this moment is kind of manageable. That's the miracle of mindfulness, as Thich Nhat Hanh calls it. Right here in this present moment, things are bearable, workable, okay. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, I'll, what I'll do, since I do want to have some time for, uh, for questions and or looking at all of these, is read to you the, the classical supports for equanimity. There are five. Mm. One, these are five ways to develop equanimity. Besides mindfulness, and mindfulness is the primary cause of equanimity, because in the moment where you're not grasping or pushing away, you're developing equanimity. But these five other classical supports. Practicing balanced emotion towards all living beings. Okay? You're just seeing these are all just expressions of life. Some of whom you feel really connected and close to, some less so, but they're just life manifesting in these different forms. Having that perspective and learning to honor all of life, even the ones that don't please you so much. This is a great aid towards equanimity. Two, balanced emotions toward inanimate things. Okay. Say, oh, what's so hard about that? Yeah. Oh, I love that blouse, you know. Oh, I love that car. I hate that whatever dress. I hate all of the things that we have these amazingly strong attachments and aversions to that aren't even alive, that's just stuff. But people kill over stuff. Right? Isn't that interesting? Three, avoiding people, and this is, <laughs> this is Upandita's uh, <laughs> translation, avoiding people who go crazy. <laughs> Basically, not avoiding company of people who are very intense about things. Not that they're bad, but if you want to cultivate equanimity, that probably won't support you. you know. Four, being around like-minded friends who are cool. <laughs> That's what it says, who stay cool. You want to be around cool friends, right? Find really cooled out friends, chilled out friends. And then the fifth one, the classical one, as is the, the same in all of these, inclining the mind towards balance. Just inviting it, like I said before, Ajahn Sumedho's 
beautiful summation of equanimity that just says, oh, it's like this. This is, this is how it is. Oh, things are as they are. And you're just reminding yourself, this is this moment, inclining to what may I, you can even call, may I bring balance to this moment. Just invite it without grasping at it. So this is something that hopefully you can practice in a conscious way and you can practice also right on the cushion when you're finding yourself getting lost or swept away. See if you can find that perspective of awareness that's just simply noticing, oh, and it's like this. Oh, and here's fear or here's wanting or here's ease, or here's calm, or here's joy, here's love, whatever. Be the awareness that can hold it all. That's the essence of equanimity. So there's the seven factors. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, calm, concentration, equanimity. And out of that arises the liberated mind. So we have just a few minutes. I'm wondering, any questions or things that come up from either this this factor or any of these? We can just take a, a few moments. Questions, comments? You, hold on a second, Mac. Yeah, just pass the microphone down. We'll be going in a few moments. If you can stay, that would be really great. We'll finish together. Um, the, you, you were talking about um, practicing equanimity in our real lives. Yes. But I, I... I sometimes have the feeling that I, I, it doesn't, it, it's like it's the, well, I'm thinking of the story of the Zen monk. The lady says, you fathered my boy, and he takes the child. And uh, later she comes back and says, that's my child, and takes the child mm-hmm. back. Is that me. so? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of my example, of, or, or, uh, my super example of equanimity. Yeah, and your and, question. And sometimes it feels like there really isn't a lot of difference between, you know, my sitting in the equanimity in the, uh, in the turmoil that I sometimes sit in and, and then sometimes I, I end up in this place where everything just goes quiet. Yeah. I, and I don't know, it doesn't seem like there's a like a lot of difference. If you get to a place where everything goes quiet? Like, but I just on the other side of that, I can't say I've ever done that. I've done that, but I haven't done that when I'm sitting in the, the turmoil of ordinary equanimity. Well, trying that, to achieve ordinary equanimity. Yeah, so sometimes you find a place where it's still, where everything goes quiet in the meditation you're talking about. 
as opposed to in but, your daily life. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. it. That, yeah. but that it, feels so, like, it really feels like equanimity right then. Yeah, when, when everything goes quiet and you're not disturbed and, there's, and things aren't rattling you, yeah, there, it's calm plus equanimity. Now, the trick is, if you've touched that in your quiet time on the cushion, first know that sitting is probably a very good support when you're going through your turmoil instead of trying to figure it all out. Stop trying to figure it out and just find, just be still even if it's externally in your body. And all the turmoil will be going on. If you sit there long enough, chances are it will diminish a bit. Not, that, not if you're trying to say, come on, stop the turmoil. But if you're just letting the whole turmoil go and there's space in it, then things can come to, come to rest. But it's more inviting it. When you realize you're going through turmoil, like was said, you know, going for a walk or being in your body or hanging around like-minded friends or finding ways to support you to come back and remember what you know, this is, this is what we're practicing. Don't hold up some idealized notion, though, that all of a sudden it's going to be hunky-dory and, and, uh, and, and there you are in the middle of, of all the turmoil with deep peace. Just incline that way. Just invite it that way. One last comment here. Pass the... Uh, hi, my question is about concentration. Uh, last week you talked about concentration, and um, you said you know peop- one can develop sort of a concentrated mind towards some object. Uh, but in this tradition, it's mind, you, you sort of the there's a way in which you bring uh, concentration to just changing experience, right? And when you talked about that, it sounded like it was basically the same thing as mindfulness. And I, so I had sort of, I've been thinking about it and feeling, I don't think mm-hmm. I really understand concentration because it sounds very like, identical to mindfulness. I don't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I talked about moment-to-moment concentration. Mindfulness is knowing what's happening right now. Concentration can come, arise with mindfulness. They work well together. That's where like effort, mindfulness, and concentration are in the eightfold path and in the the, the factors of enlightenment and the in the uh, uh, spiritual faculties. Con- concentration is moments of mindfulness strung together, where you are sticking to the object over time, and so. Here's a moment of mindfulness, here's a moment of mindfulness, here's a moment of mindfulness. And that momentum of mindfulness strung together where the mind is not wandering or lost in thought, that is the development of concentration using mindfulness, one mindful moment after another. Play around with it. Okay, we we have to go, so let's... uh, close with a loving kindness and uh, first as you're sitting here like you 
again, to reflect on your good karma, all of us, so blessed to be here in a, on a Thursday evening in Berkeley sharing the Dharma together. Don't miss that. And as you feel the blessing of it, just getting in touch with how life wants to support you in your awakening. And the more that happens, the more it ripples out and affects everybody that you know. May I find real peace inside. May I feel all the goodness and love inside and share my love well. May I wake up to my true nature and know what real freedom is. And then sending these thoughts out to everyone here and all beings everywhere. May all beings find real peace inside. May all share their love well. May all awaken to their true nature. And may our coming here together have a rippling effect, not only for ourselves and those we know, but all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and peace. Thank you very much. Have a good couple of weeks. See you in a few weeks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.